Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning back into the College Age Movement Podcast. This week we have another standalone, and uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Last week we talked about 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, and this week we're gonna we're gonna jump ahead a few chapters and, and look at this uh, letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. So, uh, chapter chapter four, verse one says this: It says, "This then is how you ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries that God has revealed." This section of scripture is called the nature of true apostleship, and it was always something that I really struggled with before I became a vocational minister. That that it was something that as an apostle, the idea of apostleship or discipleship was something that I thought was reserved for people who worked in the church. And as a teenager, as somebody who didn't work in the church, I was just like, man, I just don't know if I can fully get a grasp on what apostleship means. But it's been really powerful for me since I became a minister. And what I realized is that it would have been if I would have changed my posture just as powerful before I was a minister as I am now. Because it doesn't just apply to people with a mic in their hands or who have a podcast or who stand in front of people and talk about Jesus. Apostleship, this idea of following Jesus, being a discipleship, a disciple of Jesus is about every single person who calls Jesus Lord. So the first point today is this. We are Christ's servants. We are Christ's servants. If you grew up in the church, you have heard that phrase a lot. And if you haven't grown up in the church, you're probably confused as to what it means. The, the word servant kind of has a negative connotation to it. But what we have to understand is that it's such a beautiful thing to be called a servant of Christ. The Greek underlying this verse would actually translate to house manager or steward. And I love love that idea of being the, the house manager for God or a steward of God. And so I think what we have to understand on a regular basis is that we get to steward what God has given us. And we're not supposed to hold on to it, but we're supposed to steward it. We're supposed to treat it well. And when we hear about good stewards, we think about the resources that that come to mind, uh, money and and those types of things, material possessions. But what we have to understand is that we have to be stewards of what God has given us relationally, with our time, all of those things. So we need to make sure that we are managing the house correctly, that we are servants of God, that being a true apostle of God is being a good steward of what God has given you. And it, what I love about this, this idea of being a steward or house manager and not just looking at the word servant is that it isn't about being a slave who is obligated. It's about being a servant who has been entrusted. And there's there's a huge difference between that, that when you are entrusted to something, you you get uh, so much more joy out of it. it. It leads us into this next question of what is my mindset? What is my mindset? If I only feel a sense of obligation, then I'm going to walk through my relationship with Jesus and I'm going to be like a 15-year-old boy whose dad just asked him to do his chores, even if it was something that you enjoy doing. I remember growing up, I loved mowing the lawn, but when my parents asked me to do it, and it wasn't the exact moment that I wanted to do it, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is so obnoxious that I have to do this. You see, what I have to understand is that I'm not obligated, I'm invited by Jesus, that God actively invites me into relationship with him and to in- invites me into doing the things that he asked me to do isn't obligating me to do it. So I need to feel honor that I've been entrusted to be a servant of Christ. I will take things so much more seriously if I understand that I'm entrusted, not obligated. Uh, when, when I was asked to oversee college age, uh, I was a part-time employee. I was actually an intern at the time, and I was asked to pretty much uh, bring snacks and make sure there was a speaker and somebody to lead worship every week, and there were like five people there, and it was it was awesome. It was great, but I, I just didn't feel like the full responsibility of it. And years later, when I was given a position to actually oversee it, to call the shots, to do those things, that when Nate walked into my office and said, hey, I entrust this to you. What you say goes. Like I'm not going to babysit you. You are doing what I've asked you to do, what God's asked you to do, and uh, I, I trust you to just take care of the people 
that, that are a part of that ministry. And there was so much power in that to be entrusted with something, not not just to babysit it, but to actually be entrusted to lead it. And in our relationship with Jesus, we have to understand that the things that we have experienced and the things that we know are to the benefit of others. The, the, the lessons, successes, pains that we have are also to be stewarded. So we need to have this mindset of stewardship that, that we check ourselves and say, hey, we've been entrusted. That means that I get to be a steward. That means that, that I get to take care of and use this these things for the kingdom of God. And so that we would understand that all of those things all start with our mindset. If we are, are only having the mindset of, okay, I have to babysit this, or okay, I'm obligated to do this. We aren't going to do the things or, or use the things that we have for the benefit of other people. But if we've been entrusted to be a house manager or steward, we know that we are going to go take care of people through the life lessons that we have earned and learned through everything that we've gone through. The next point is this, guides, not security guards. Guides, not security guards. The message uses this phrase, and I think it's perfect. The knowledge of God is so far be- beyond us. Like, the, this, this this phrase, guides, not security guards. We get little glimpses of the mysteries of God, but we get this to these unbelievably vital lessons that we can either walk others through or we can hold on to them and lock them up. And I think that we need to be people who are so willing to use our life lessons to guide. I've said it before, but it bears repeating. The, the, the phrase, me too, is so powerful that when people are looking to be walked through situations, they don't want just theological answers. They want to know that other people have experienced that too. Whether you sinned the same way, whether you experienced the same thing, whatever it may be, if they know that they aren't the only one in that situation or the only one who has been in that situation, they're so much more likely to walk through it with you. And so I think that what we have to understand is that we're not we're not here to guard the mysteries of God. We're here to share the mysteries of God. We're here to, to guide people through their relationships with Jesus and let other people guide us through our relationship with Jesus too and not not hold on to things too tightly. Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 5, he says, I care very little if I am being judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At the time, each will receive their praise from God. So the simple point out of this is judgment-free, judgment-free. The idea of not passing judgment is a difficult one, and uh, we love to judge people, and I know that I love to judge people. Way too often I find myself finding finding these simple joys in judging other people, and it's for the stupidest little things or it's for big things, and, and it's something that I've fought with for a really long time is is gossiping or judging or looking at someone and saying, oh, I wouldn't do it that way or, or whatever it may be. And Paul is simply stating that it's pointless for human beings to judge one another. It doesn't serve anyone any benefit. Like, honestly, what is accomplished by passing judgment anyway? It doesn't serve anyone well, including ourselves. What happens when we make judgments regarding someone else based on one interaction or one decision that they made or the lifestyle that they're living is that we miss opportunities for God to work through the mess. And when we put so much validity in the judgment of other people towards us, then we miss an opportunity to let God work through our mess because we're so focused on what other people think of us that, that God's opinion starts to matter less. And we'll talk about that a little bit later here, but we need to make a definitive decision to not judge people. Because when we make a definitive decision to judge people, 
we shut down grace and mercy and forgiveness or any other necessary action. And the problem with that is that we are so in need of those things too on a regular basis. The things that you and I have needed so many different times are grace and mercy and forgiveness, not judgment. You see, people aren't turned off by Jesus. They are turned off by judgmental Christians. Let's be a generation that kills that. Let's be a people who don't see judgment in followers of Jesus, but they see Jesus in followers of Jesus. And if we are being Jesus to people, they will not feel judgment for things. They will feel love and acceptance and people who are willing to engage them right where they're at. In verse four, Paul essentially says, it doesn't really matter what you think of me. I just care what God thinks of me, which bears the question, do you care about the opinions of God or the opinions of others? And I think the answer can be both and, but we have to understand that we are not called to please the opinions or desires of those around us. We are called to serve God. And when we truly do that well, the people around us will be served and loved extraordinarily. That if my primary focus is the opinion of God, that while I'm in the midst of being who God has called me to be, I am going to have a a high opinion of other people. Because what God has called me to be is somebody who other people will appreciate, somebody who loves them well, who cares for them, who makes time for them. And so in that, we just naturally are creating a high opinion of ourselves and through that, creating a high opinion of God, which is the most important thing, that we really shouldn't care whether people have high opinions of us or not. What we should care is if they have high opinions of God. So we always have to ask ourselves that question. Do I care about the opinions of God or the opinions of others? Because if I'm going to just look at the opinions of others and say, that's what matters, that I'm losing perspective. And and my, my idea of what God wants me goes to the back burner. And in the pursuit of the opinions of others, I'm not focusing on who God wants me to be and thus not becoming who God wants me to be. But if I focus on who God wants me to be and pleasing him, naturally, the opinions of others will fall into place. Too often, I find myself looking to others for approval when I should be looking for the approval of God. There should only be one whose approval I seek. And if I'm doing that, everything else will make itself work out. There's a significant difference between identifying and judging sin. There's a significant difference between identifying and judging sin. And I think this is a really important point because judgment-free doesn't mean that we walk around completely oblivious. We know right versus wrong. We know what is God-honoring and what is not. So we need to be a people that identify things and help people walk through them, not just see and cast judgment. So there is that difference between identifying and judging sin. And there's a big but within this point. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, which is the next chapter, verses 12 and 13, Paul, still talking to the church in Corinth, says this. He says, well, what business is of mine to judge those outside of the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you. As followers of Christ, our our obligation is to identify, call out, and then help each other walk through our mess. Having hard conversations about the things we know at our core, but are fighting against for whatever reason. But if someone is not following Jesus, and I have said this before, if you come to college, you've heard me say it several times, I can identify other people's sins, but my job isn't to call them out on it. My job is to love them right in it. And that doesn't mean that I have to applaud it, but I have to be willing to step into their situation, not just demand that they step out of it. So we need to be people collectively as a community of followers of Jesus who are willing to step into the mess that is people's lives and allow people to step into the mess that is our lives and address it right there. Not just ask people say, hey, stop doing that. I need you to step out of that so that you can come talk to me. No, I'm gonna come talk to you right in the middle of your mess. And it's not about calling you out or judging you for it. It's not even about identifying it to you, but it's about identifying it in other people and saying, I know that's not what's best for them. So I'm gonna do whatever I can to be a positive influence. I'm gonna do whatever I can to step into it and be a a good example 
people, whatever it is, our job is not just to judge people's sin. Our job is to identify it and then engage with it. Paul goes on to say in verse 7 of chapter 4, he says, For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Now, this is an incredibly simple but hard-to-grasp idea. Freely given, not earned. Freely given, not earned. Paul is reminding the church in Corinth that all of their judgments and decisions are being based on freedom that they think that they have found through effort instead of a grace that has been freely given. You see, entitlement breeds judgment. Let us not be entitled people. I do not want to act like I earned my salvation. I want to understand that the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness that God has given me was something that he was going to give me no matter what I have done. And that's an incredible thing, but we lose perspective. Those of us who follow Jesus have been afforded such an incredible gift, salvation, eternity in heaven with Jesus, but we cannot act like it is mine. It is something that is to be shared. One of the easiest ways to explain the way that I feel about my salvation on a regular basis regular basis is to think about my kids. Uh, I have a, a six-year-old and a soon-to-be five-year-old, and they're seriously the most incredible kids ever. I have, I'm so lucky. And uh, what I love about my son Maddox is that he's just so genuine in the way that he feels, and sometimes it gets him in trouble. But uh, when, when he's given something, when we buy him something, recently he, he did incredible in his kindergarten class. He got great grades and really good comments from his teacher. So I was like, you know what, man, I'm going to buy you a new Lego set. We're going to get you that dinosaur Jurassic Park Lego set. And he was so jack, and he was so thankful. He was hugging me. He was just, oh, he was just beaming. And it was the greatest thing. He was so thankful for about five minutes until his sister wanted to play with it. And then he pulled it in, and he said, this is mine. And I had to correct him. And I was like, man, that's so frustrating that I had to correct you five minutes after you were just so thankful for something. And then I thought about it and I was like, well, that's kind of the way that I treat my relationship with Jesus, that there's these moments. Sometimes they're only five minutes long where I'm so thankful for what Jesus has done for me. I'm so thankful for his forgiveness. And I'm so thankful that he walks through things with me. I'm so thankful that he guides me. I'm so thankful. But then other people try to step in and have a part of my salvation and and have a relationship with Jesus. Like I have a relationship with Jesus and I hold on to it and I say, no, this is mine. This is my relationship with Jesus. This is the way that I worship. This is the way that I engage. This is the way that I, whatever it is. You see, we can't just be thankful for five minutes and then hold on to it and say, this is mine. We need to be people who are always understanding that it is freely earned freely given, unearned, to-be-shared salvation and forgiveness. We need to be people who are doing that, thankful always, and always willing to share, because that's the point, is that all people know the love of Jesus, that I want as many people to find Jesus as humanly possible in my lifetime, and that should always be my aim. So to end, I want to ask three questions, and uh, they're very simple, but I think it's a good heart check, something that we could ask ourselves on a regular basis. The first question being this, am I identifying and engaging with sin, or am I just judging it? Am I just a judgmental Christian, or am I identifying things and then engaging with it? I'm not, am I trying to be a part of the solution, not just identifying the problem? It's a thing that we always have to be willing to ask ourselves. The second question is this, am I competing and comparing, or am I willing to walk through it with people? Am I willing to live life with people, or am I trying to, to hold on to things and say, this is mine, and this is the way that I do it, and this is the way that I engage with God, and this is the way that I do whatever? Or am I saying, no, I want to walk through life with you. I want to walk through your relationship with Jesus with you. I want you to walk through my relationship with Jesus with me. And actually engaging people right where that, stepping into situations, right? Stepping in, not asking people to step out. And the third question, who am I trying to please? 
Is the opinion of God the most important thing in my life or the opinions of other people the most important thing in my life? And if I constantly ask myself that question and I constantly recalibrate and understand that my number one priority is to be who God has called me to be, not who other people have called me to be, then everything else is going to fall into place. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into the College Age Movement podcast again. If you are here in Billings, we would absolutely love to see you. We are meeting all the way through the summer. So come Tuesday night, 7 o'clock. We have guest speakers this summer. We have lots of fun events happening. We would love to see you here. If you're not in Billings or you can't make it on Tuesday nights, that's okay. We always hope that this podcast serves as something fruitful and something that you get a lot out of. We will see you very, very soon.